you're completely unique and you've had all these unique experiences. And then also so is your prospect. So you can't help but make decisions about what should go in your copy or not based on your previous experience and decisions. So no matter what, the blinders are on. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. Welcome back to The Truth About Marketing. It's Kevin Rogers here with another special episode in the Badass Women of Marketing series. This month, you've heard four amazing interviews from four brilliant female marketers who are at the top of their game. You heard from April Dykeman, who taught us about the best kind of proof to use in your sales copy. You heard from Sasha Lala about the feminine-fueled future of digital marketing. Rhonda Britton blew us all away with her deeply personal story of survival and perseverance to become an Emmy Award winner, do over 600 episodes of television, and help millions of women and men conquer their fear. Marie Forleo gave us the funky truth about how to be yourself, have a lot of fun, and make a whole lot of money doing it. And today, I'm really thrilled to bring on a dear friend and a person and a copywriter who I have endless respect for. This is the second appearance on The Truth About Marketing for Melanie Saladino, and she is here today to teach us one of the most important things we can ever learn as marketers. We're going to talk about how to overcome our own marketing bias. You hear that? Marketing bias. You may not think you have it, but I promise you do, and you'll, you'll hear why in this episode. And you'll be able to discover, like Melanie has, the nine buyer profiles and the number one objection question that they all bring to every offer you create. So that means in this episode, you're going to realize something, and that's that you've been overlooking a very large part of your audience of prospects, and it's very likely costing you a, a big old pile of money. And the good news is uh, you're going to have a great head start on how to make sure that never happens again the next time you put out an offer. So Melanie Saladino, thank you so much for being back with us. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. You know, I'm a great admirer of yours, and I just love this topic. We have talked so much about it, and it is now time to hip the rest of the world to your sort of big, like, I call this your big secret weapon as a copywriter, this uh, amazing nine buyer profiles that you've created. And I know that it's had a big effect on how you write copy. So let's just start with the nine buyer profiles. Tell me a little of the history of how you came up with it and, uh, and how you use it in your copywriting. All right, let's do that. So first, we should start with a confession, which is I happen to have a deep love affair with Amazon. <laughs> and also, I think that maybe there's a system there where the people who are obsessive orderers get Saturday and Sunday delivery because yeah. I received a shipment on Saturday and on Sunday. One was vitamins. That's dumb, but whatever. <laughs> so I like to read books about people, which is, of course, how I ended up in marketing. But I found this one really obscure book, and it talked about in-person sales and personalities and where they match up. 
And when you're like me and have this weird thing where you go to the bibliography at the back of the books and then you trace back your sources <laughs> and then you go to that one and now, now you're like in the 1800s reading who knows even what. Okay, so eventually you run out of books to read. There's no more books on this topic. There's just this one and it's about in-person sales. And so I thought, well, what if I could adapt it for copywriting? Mm. And the trouble there is that I'm actually never going to get to meet this person. Mm. So I'm not going to find out their body language or their facial expressions. They're not going to be able to tell me their buying criteria. So I'm kind of going to have to guess. Mm -hmm. So what if I had a system where there was a manageable number of the most powerful emotional themes, and then I could find out what those questions are, and then knowably, repeatedly, and from a scientific perspective, be able to hit those emotions every time. So I have the best chance of bringing in the right customers more often. Wow. Yeah, that's a great point is that, you know, as copywriters, it is our job to be salespeople in print, as they say. And, you know, it's not like standing across from somebody like a salesperson would, and you said, reading their body language, hearing not only what they're saying, but how they're saying it, what their true objections are. And so it is our job as copywriters to sort of uh, project these objections, uh, really try to hear them the best way we can. And I love this idea you've developed because a big part of the problem as copywriters, as marketers, as product creators is that even though we say we know we're not the you know, the, I, I know I'm not, I'm not the market or I am the market, whether you think you are, or you think you know that you're not, you're bringing a lot of bias into the, the conversation. So we're going to talk about marketing bias in a couple of minutes, but Melanie, why is there nine buyer profiles? Is there a reason there's, there's exactly nine? There are. And one reason is that it fits the, the model. There's a connection between what I want most as a customer and when I'm stressed or when I'm feeling really strong, I'm going to go to a couple other areas of the circle, right? So it's actually based on thousands of years of very smart people watching how people make decisions and finding out that most people have a home base. They kind of have a, a thing that they think about most of the time, and they might not even tell their spouses or sometimes themselves why they think about that thing. And then when they're feeling particularly strong, they have a preferred thing that they wonder about. And when they're feeling particularly stressed out, they have a preferred thing that they wonder about. And people who are much more experienced and have a lot more research than I did boiled it down and said, we think these are the nine most important. And it has just proven itself out in all areas of life to be a very effective model for reaching others. Mm. And so obviously you use this when you sit and you write copy. You know, is it sort of almost clinical the way you use it now? Or is it, something that you study it enough and it just becomes part of your thinking. So you're always aware of whether you're covering these objections or not. It's kind of become a game because I see the world now through this particular filter. And I know that I made it up. I took some science, I took some neuroscience and I took some men versus women and I took some personality stuff and boiled it down. But it has become a bit of a worldview. And I wondered, oh gosh, there's only nine. Do I have enough information here? But I also like to bake. And when you think about the things that you need to bake, some flour, some sugar, some salt, an egg, some chocolate, 
you only have that particular set of ingredients, but you can make almost an unlimited number of things with it. So when you're looking at your own copy and saying, you can say from the one side, oh my gosh, there's nine. Or you can look at it from the other side that says, oh, there's only nine. Is this a big enough playground for me? Am I going to be able to reach the right people in the right ways? And the answer is absolutely yes. Wow. Yeah. Great answer. Great point about certain recipes, right? I mean, what you you bake is, that's the thing about kind of the, what makes copywriters seem like magicians to people (laughs) who haven't put in the time and obsessed over this stuff is that, you know, you whip up this amazing cake. But you have to make decisions along the way. It can't be two kinds of cake. <laughs> That's right. It's got to be one cake that pleases a lot of a lot of different people. And but let me be clear, you know, we're not like, you know, saying not to be specific in marketing. It's all about targeting and it's all about speaking directly to your best prospect. But there are very often a lot more people, you know, personality types reading the copy, and if we are sure to include and understand their objections and infuse them into the copy, our sales are just about guaranteed to increase because suddenly we're handling objections for people who are just off center of our exact target and, uh, you know, making sure that they feel safe and ready to take action as well. Absolutely. So Melanie, in your great article you wrote on the uh, Copy Chief blog, you open with a letter from a British soldier in World War II. It's from December 5th, 1918. And I, I just love that you included this and why. So I'm just going to read it. It's an excerpt from the letter, from a, a real letter from a soldier. And then let's talk about why this works so well in the context of, of what we're talking about here. Perfect. So it goes like this. I'm not going to do a bad British accent. Is that <laughs> Thank you. We all appreciate it. If it was Australian, I wouldn't be able to resist. uh, (laughs) Uh, Dear Patty, just a few lines to thank you for a letter. I hope you have got over your flu. Patty, I'm going to talk serious to you. I think when I get settled, I would like to get married. I'm not one at putting it very well, but I think for your sake, if you think the same way, we ought to get engaged. I think you know what I am and pretty well all about me. And if you decide my way, I will do my best to make you a good husband and a comfortable home. Patty, don't be frightened to tell me what you think. Yours, Horace. And it's just such a simple, elegant, beautiful, honest letter. Tell me how this relates to what we're talking about here with the nine buyer profiles. What's special about this is that it's a young man sitting on the front lines. His life is on the line. And he's thinking about home and love. And he's wanting this woman who's his treasure, who keeps his going himself going through the dark nights saying, hey, join your life with mine. Make this decision to move forward with me. I will do my very best by you. And gosh, who doesn't want to hear that? Everything is crazy. You're in charge of making your own decisions all the time. You're under stress. You don't know if you're doing the right thing. But if someone shows up with the right message and it lands on you the right way, at the very least, you're going to have the clarity to make a solid decision. But ideally, everything inside your brain and gut and heart says that. That's my decision. I'll take that. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just about being very sincere, right? And, you know, what I love about this letter is, look, it's not polished. The guy's saying, uh, what does he say? I'm not one for putting it well right? He's yeah. saying, look, I, I can't knock your socks off with with my prose here, but 
it's just so sincere. And like you said, I mean, his life's on the line and he's, imagine the moment where he's made this decision to get up the courage to ask this woman to marry him the only way he can in 1918 as a soldier fighting a war. It's beautiful. And so, you know, you talk about what if, you know, when we encountered just the right, you know, offer proposition, the pitch as it were, if we got a little love note from our brain telling us it was okay to buy. Right. And that's essentially what what we want to happen, right? I mean, that's what we're looking to recreate with good copy. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk a minute now about marketing bias. This is a, a really important topic. This is the thing that when we first started talking about these nine buyer profiles, I thought, wow, like this is such a breakthrough because everybody brings marketing bias to the equation. And, and people say all the time, look, hey, I'm not the market or I know I'm not the market. They love to say, I know I'm not the market, but <laughs> which means right? you have marketing bias and it's leaking into your offer. And so why do we have these blinders, do you think, even when we know better? Well, I'd have to say, first of all, it's your brain's fault. It's not your fault. It's just what is. But there are five of them and they are not what you typically think of. For example, we decide things based on stuff we've already decided. So, but you're completely unique and you've had all these unique experiences. And then also so is your prospect. So you can't help but make decisions about what should go in your copy or not based on your previous experience and decisions. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, the blinders are on. So the question is, how can you get enough, I'm going to call them feedback loops, safe outside information that gives you a little bit of a mirror so you can kind of bounce the ideas off of it and say, okay, since I'm not the center of that person's universe, how can I get the information that they need so that they can make a solid decision? Because that's really what we're after here. We don't want every customer. Mm -hmm. We want to send out a clean, clear, compelling message and then say, okay, I have now empowered you with everything you need. You decide. I don't need a high refund rate. I don't need customer service headaches. I don't, I don't need any of that. I need my best customers, which are different than other people's best customers. And I need them to come to me essentially pre-sold and say, you know what? I I read that letter and let's talk. I think this might be a fit. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. That's, I love that you brought that up about, you know, refund rates. You know, there used to be sort of a mantra that, you know, if you're not getting a 20% refund rate, you're not marketing hard enough. And uh, I think that's uh, just a bit antiquated because a lot of things have changed. First of all, I think when when that was a rule, if it was a you know a rule, I know it was for some companies. I used, I remember having clients come to me and say, "That's this is what we're after," you know. But first of all, banks don't cotton to that <laughs> the way they mm-hmm. used to. They're not going to you know. There's going to be a lot of questions if you get a twenty percent refund rate especially if a lot of those are leading to chargebacks. That means you have a serious customer support issue. But also people are connected in ways that they just weren't before, right? And so, you know, bad customer support or uh, 20% of unsatisfied buyers or seemingly misled buyers means that a lot of people are not talking nice about you and your product out on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else. Oh, that's exactly it. Can you imagine those 20%? None of them are happy and angry people talk a lot. So now they're on Facebook. I don't think so. No, thank you for that. Yeah. Even if they're not angry, they're disappointed, right? And they're certainly not singing your your praises. So yeah. So the great point about that. Cool. So marketing bias. And again, when you 
have these nine buyer profiles in front of you, you'll what's cool about it is you'll see yourself as one of them. When you see Melanie's list, you'll go, aha, that's me. You know, I'm the, you know, support me buyer. Or I love the way you named them. We're not going to name them all. I'm going to tease people. I'm teasing you to go download Melanie's report because it's that important. You need to have this. It's She's generously providing it to you for free at uh, melaniesaladino.com forward slash nine buyers, the number nine buyers. And everybody needs this. And, you know, you'll download it. And it's not a thousand pages of fluff of talking all about why this is so important. It's straight to the point. So you're going to be able to download this and see the nine profiles and you're quickly going to see yourself in there and you're going to realize, wow, a lot of my marketing was slanted for me. (laughs) I've been leaving these other eight people out in the cold. That is a hard moment. It is a hard moment. But who wants to leave money on the table? Nobody. Right. But it's also a very freeing moment because you you first you're kind of go, oh, and then you go, oh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Look what I can do now. So uh, and sometimes you think you're in a certain market and you're actually not oh, yeah. like, for example, I, I don't I haven't spoken to Wardy about this directly, but it's possible that she could say I teach traditional cooking skills. So I am in a teach me market, but she's actually in an empowerment market. Those people that come to her, you can buy a cookbook, you can watch a video on YouTube, but they're actually coming to her because they want to be empowered to live a certain kind of dream. And the dream is I can go off the grid anytime I want and I can bring these traditional cooking skills forward for my children, myself, my grandchildren. I can have a certain kind of health effect in my body. And all of these things make me feel like I have the power to control my destiny. And so it's a lot more than the teaching. Right. And when a person embraces the market they're really in, power happens. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, we're talking about Wardy Harmon, who runs traditionalcookingschool.com, one of our great friends and uh, your client, who I know she just loves, sings your praises all the time. And I, I love that you really opened my eyes about Copy Chief in the same regard, where, again, on the surface, it could look at it as I might say it's, it's it, you know, it's a community, but it's a teaching environment, right? We're, we're teaching people what, you know, how to write better. And we're giving them ways to make sure that, you know, check their stuff, get, you know, critiques and feedback and all this stuff. But you called it a what? Oh, you're definitely a support me market. Mm. Yes. I, I, here's my proof. I have a t-shirt that you sent me and that you sent to a bunch of the members, black with the orange, and it says, nobody writes alone. Now, if that's not support, (laughs) I don't know what is. Now, there are other copywriting communities out there, and they say things like, I'll teach you how to write bullets, or sink or swim, man, that's how we do it over here, or whatever it is that they're saying. But that's not how you show up. You show up and say, there, nobody writes alone. I remember what it was like to start out alone. I remember how hard it was. I never want anybody who comes after me to have to to struggle like that. You have everything you need right here to be successful at achieving the dreams that you have. Awesome. Which just means I'm a big softy. That's the... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that could be our secret if you want. (laughs) It's out now. That's all right. Brian Brian Kurtz and I were joking the other day that he's, uh, he's a kinder, gentler Dan Kennedy. And I'm a kinder, gentler John Carlton. <laughs> yes. So whether the world wants that's that great. or not, that's 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 who we are. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's too much. Awesome. Okay, great. Now I love this too. This is really exciting. The I love the scale you came up with. Now 
Because this is, look, men, how to write it for men and women. I think, you know, we're still so behind the times with this. Like, to give you an example, and I think this still goes on a lot in the fitness market where, and I get why they do it, but rather than try to write some copy, or I should say, void of the ability to write copy that could appeal to both genders. Because look, a fitness product, if not specifically made for one gender or the other, should work for both, right? But what they would do is they would have a landing page that says men click here and women click here, right? And no matter which one you clicked on, you go to the exact same video sales letter, except one has a pink background. (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, going, really? Like, okay, like why even bother, right? It's the same, you didn't change the copy. And so that's how archaic the thinking can be around this this idea of how to market to men versus women. And so tell us about the safety and excitement scale that you created. And I think it's incredibly innovative. Okay, well, let's let everybody off the hook and say that understanding the brain is still a pretty new thing and that the research I've got has just come out of fMRIs in the last few years. So we're really on the cutting edge of understanding how our brains work and particularly how men's and women's brains work a little differently. So what you can say here is that men's and women's brains have all the same parts, but they're organized differently and they will respond to different things. Like men's, and men's respond to this. Everybody. That's, right? That's what men hear. Right? <laughs> and that's actually a really important point because for guys, there's two categories of information you need to make a decision. And one is about safety and one's about excitement. But for guys, if you ramp up the excitement, they will mostly ignore the safety issues. They're not actively looking for problems, but they'll take some risk if whatever it is is exciting. Right. You know? Women, on the other hand, if that whatever it is is not safe, they will ignore you. They hear nothing. And they are so complete in that decision to ignore you right. that it would be better for you to just walk away. That is a great point. And I'll use a personal example to back you on this because my wife and I just went car shopping for her two weeks ago. And so and we had we saw two different salespeople and they were very different. And uh, one was one guy was an older gentleman who is retired uh, from banking. And the other guy was like 26 and talked a lot about how much he, you know, drinks on the weekends. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, that was charming. And so <laughs> you can imagine who we bought from. Uh huh. But the wiser salesperson, of course, did the wise thing and asked us, what, what are you looking for? What's the most important thing to you in a vehicle? And without knowing, you know, who would be the primary driver of this car, guess who he looked right at when he asked that question? It better be her. (laughs) Exactly right. And guess what the one single word she said to him was? Oh, it has to be safety. (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) I love it. So, and so of course he went on about, and I, I, you know, listened to the guy as a marketer, of course, we love a good salesperson. And whenever he would talk about a feature of the car, even if it was for me, he would always bring it back around to how that makes it safer, right? Mm, And so, you know, like things he emphasized, you know, like for instance, so I think I was wearing a rock band t-shirt or something. So he knows I like music. So he's going, look at this Bose stereo system, you know? And it's, you know, it's custom made for this, to fit this vehicle from Bose and it's amazing sound. Then he would say things like, you know, 
And, you know, at a certain speed, it actually lowers the volume of the stereo if it feels like you, you shouldn't have it that loud while you're going that speed or something, right? right. <laughs> I was like, this guy's genius. Like, he's so aware of what we both need to understand. And it goes back to what you're saying in the beginning of this comes from face-to-face sales, right? And through right. years of experience to be able to look at people and read people and settle into a situation and tell two parties what they need to hear, you know, you can accomplish these things. But now, thanks to you, Melanie, as copywriters, as marketers, as product owners, as business owners, we can factor in these same elements when we sit and we write what, you know, can seem like to a very cold audience. Right. And that's really important. And another thing I'd like to bring up is that there's no concept of needing to speak, I'm going to use some words very loosely here, down to a prospect. Mm -hmm. In the olden days, I understand that certain women were shown the rear view mirror and told how that would make it better to apply makeup. (laughs) We don't do that anymore. It's not nice. (laughs) So if anybody's worried, yes, women think differently. Yes, they need different answers to different questions. And no, they do not care about applying their lipstick. They really don't. (laughs) It's great. So let's talk about a little bit more about the scale. I want to unpack this just a little more because it it just it's so elegant the way you, you you use it and you explain in the article exactly. You give some great examples. So let's use the train set analogy. If you do you mind going into that because I just love the way you laid that out. I sure that ended up being an awful lot of fun. So I live in a very rural part of New Hampshire. And an hour or so north of me, there is an old train station depot, and they take trains from around the world and restore them back to what they were originally like. And it's this fascinating process. And so I got to see the different tracks and the different cars and how all the pieces move together. But if you imagine that you are on the dinner car and you come up to the depot and everybody loads up and and then you start to hear the engine getting ready and you start to move forward, you're going to see that on one part of the train track, it's a small track because it's a dinner train, but on the one side, we have all the safety elements. We have a, we have a fueling station and we have that the bar that comes down so that everybody knows to stop on the road. And we have all those things that make it safe. Mm. And on the other side of the track, we have the bridge. And we have all of the other things that make it exciting. You start to go up and over the hills and and then it starts to gain speed. And then you come back around. Now, dinner is only a couple hours long, but you get to go around this track several times and see all the things. And each time you become more and more comfortable with, yes, this is the track and this is what I can expect. And if there's any concerns yet, we can stop, we can go. And then, wow, look at the scenery. And it starts to become more exciting And the more you increase the safety of a thing, the more open you are to feeling the excitement of the moment and the more likely you are to choose to enjoy the experience. And in the case of buying something, the more likely you are to choose to make a decision to move forward to buy this product or that product. Yeah. So safety and excitement. Again, such a a cool way to think of it. We always hear about emotion and logic, right? But I think safety and excitement just really brings it into focus a lot more. To me, it's a better way to think about those two elements that, and those are the things that go into people buying. And that's, you know, if you're writing uh, specifically for women or for men, or more likely want to be sure and remove gender bias and appeal to both sexes. Yes, we do think a little bit differently. 
I think we're, we're, we're out of the time where we had to pretend that there is no difference between any people in the world. We're all the same. <laughs> that, that, I don't think that, me, that is how we treat each other with respect. I think by recognizing our own unique abilities and preferences and, you know, talents and uniqueness right. is what makes us respect each other and celebrate each other. One other interesting point about that is that some things that people typically think are in the logic category or might even be in the fact category could actually easily be moved over into the emotion category. Mm. Like, for example, is my environment safe? Do my doors and windows, do the locks on them work properly? Do I have the ability to walk down a street and not feel concerned that there's going to be an issue? Those things are logic, concrete. I can see them, hear them, taste them, smell them, touch them. They're also emotional things. Mm. So I'm not going to relax on the couch if I am concerned that bad guys are coming in my front door. Right, right. So every logical thing also has an emotional element, but there's a lot of emotions and we can't talk about all of them in our sales letters. It's unwieldy. So if we know which things the brain is most likely to respond to and which things are going to send danger signals and which ones are going to be fluff, you can hone in and make sure that you're saying only the most important things most of the time. Love it. Melanie Saladino, you are one of my favorite people. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your of your copywriting and your teaching. Honestly, the, the wisdom you lay down uh, all the time inside a copy chief and the way you care about your clients and more importantly, their customers is, you know, something I really enjoy observing <laughs> and being a part of. So uh, that's wonderful. That means a lot to me. Yeah, you're special. And so I really appreciate you being with us and capping off badass women of marketing month here at the Truth About Marketing podcast. I uh, want to make sure everybody goes to Copy Chief to read your article. And I want to make sure everybody goes, and you'll find this in the show notes at copychief.com forward slash T-A-M. Melanie's report, the nine hidden questions, which outlines the nine buyer profiles. And you can find that at Melanie Saladino, that's S-A-L-A-D-I-N-O.com forward slash nine buyers. Melanie, thanks again for being here. I look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Truth About Marketing podcast. If you like this show and you think other people would like this show, the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes. Just log in, click review, leave a big old fat five-star review, and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash T-A-M, as in truth about marketing. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro, do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com and I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.